Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. Welcome to Loopold's Hunt Talk Radio. As I was walking, I saw a sign there on the sign. It said no trespassing, but on the other side, it didn't say nothing. Well, that sign was made for you and me. Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of Leopold's Hunt Talk Radio. It is hot this summer, but where I'm at is not nearly as hot as my friends down in Arizona. And the reason I bring that up is today our guest is one of the most amazing conservation volunteers uh, in one of the most amazing volunteer groups you're ever going to encounter. Uh, Brad Remfrey from the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society is uh, going to be our guest. And we're going to talk about bigger picture of one a little bit background about their organization. And uh, also a little bit of the idea <laughs> that comes with trying to keep water on a landscape in a place like Arizona. Uh, one of the things, some, some points I'm sure you'll hear Brad touch on is that his group is hundred percent volunteers. Uh, all the money they raise goes into the ground, either in the form of water, uh, relocation or transplant of wild sheep, uh, buying out some grazing allotments, uh, equipment that helps Arizona game and fish, uh, deliver more water. And in some cases, in really dry years like this year, uh, it goes for things like helicopter time, actual contract delivery of water, whatever it might be. Uh, <laughs> without water, uh, nothing survives. And never is that more present than in Arizona when you are in the midst of a two to three year drought like they have been. Uh, fingers crossed that the monsoons can help relieve some of this. Arizona relies on monsoon rains in July and August. And then again, some winter rains in January and February. But if you don't get those, uh, life's not good. So we're going to talk about that. And then one of the other things with them, uh, Brad approached me a couple of years ago. He has work in a booth and asked if I'd be willing to help them raise some money. And I said, hey, you know, if it's for for conservation and habitat, count me in. Ask me, tell me what you need me to do. Uh, so they made an arrangement uh, with Ghana River Outfitters up in the McKenzie Mountains, way up in Canada, one of my dream locations, where... Uh, if I bought a hunt, they could buy a hunt, and the, the outfitter, Harold, would make sure that uh, we'd all get to hunt together. And so we're doing this raffle out there, uh, the sweepstakes. And if the winner wants, I'll bring Marcus with, and we'll film their hunt, and they'll have it for, you know, eternal memories. Um, but either way, somebody's going to get to win a hunt, uh, <laughs> a sheep hunt, plus some cash to help offset the other expenses. I think it's $5,000 of cash. So I want to plug that in here because Brad's such a modest guy. Uh, 
he he may forget about it. So if you do want to get in the in the running for a 2023, because of COVID, everything got pushed forward here. Uh, 2023 sheep hunt. Uh, go to the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society website. You can just Google them, Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society, and it'll pop up there. And there's multiple ways and levels at which you can enter. So, But mostly know that you are doing amazing work or helping fund amazing work in one of the most critical droughts I've seen in Arizona in my adult life of hunting there since 1984 was my first year hunting Arizona. So I'm not the oldest guy on the landscape, but I've uh, been hunting there for 37 years and uh, it's dry. The animals, all, all species, not just wild sheep, but every species needs their help right now down in those drought states. So with that, want to uh, thank the people who make this possible, uh, Leupold Optics. Go to leupold.com, check out all their great new stuff, uh, check out their new eyewear. Um, and look, if you ever get a chance, when you go to all these fundraisers or all these conservation groups, look and see how often Leupold's name is there. They don't promote it. They don't make a big deal out of it. But they have a significant portion of their revenues and their budgets are for conservation groups. And uh, they do a great job of that. So hopefully you'll support them. I think they've got almost over 700 employees in Beaverton, Oregon. Uh, cool, cool place if you ever get a chance to go there. Their, their factory. I, I'm not sure with COVID if they're still giving factory tours, but they used to. Uh, and it's cool. And then we have Nosler. Uh, Nosler Ammunition got to spend a week with uh, one of their people. Not a week. <laughs> a day with one of their people a week ago. Uh, and got the update of how busy they still are, how hard they're trying. Um, they, they are just, you know, they know hunting season's coming, so they're doing everything they can to just crank out the hunting ammo uh, and get it in people's hands. So uh, go to their website. I would suggest if you're not finding it on your retailer shelves, go to their website, nosler.com. In a lot of states, if it's allowed, you can order direct from them. And yeah, you'll be placed on the back order list, but at least when it comes up, your order will get filled versus stopping by your sporting goods store every two days to see that, oh, the shipment that came in is already gone. <laughs> so go to Nosler.com. And if you want to hear the Nosler story, August of 2020, we had John on the podcast and he told us the family story. Very remarkable, amazing company, uh, amazing story. So appreciate them. Mystery Ranch backpacks, uh, been using them forever. Uh, Going to start putting them to work again here pretty soon. If you want to get your Mystery Ranch pack and a whole lot of other stuff, go to the Go Hunt gear shop, gohunt.com. And most items, most non-sale items, when you put it in your cart and check out with promo code Randy, they're going to give you a 10% discount. And I know that the Mystery Ranch packs are part of that uh, discount group. So go to gohan.com shop, I think is what it says up on the toolbar. I haven't looked for a little while uh, and, and do it. And then it is elk season coming up here in about, well, it depends on what state you live in. 
Uh, and when this podcast drops, we're going to try to drop it as a bonus podcast in between a bunch of other stuff. Uh, you know that you got elk hunts coming up and our buddy Corey Jacobson is uh, updating his uh, University of Elk Hunting course. And I don't care if you're super experienced or if you're just getting into it, there is going to be something in that course that probably is a nugget that you're going to use or a lot of nuggets or a few nuggets that you're going to find it worthwhile. Uh, go to elk101.com, use promo code Randy, and Corey's going to give you, I think, I think it's a $20 discount uh, on the course. So, uh, University of Elk Hunting, go there, sign up, and uh, hopefully you get a lot out of it. And then last, uh, Go Hunt, uh, they have their insider program with all their maps. Um, I did a YouTube video a couple weeks ago about kind of looking over the horizon with the Go Hunt maps. And with that, I've <laughs> I kind of spilled a few beans that maybe I wasn't supposed to. Um, but we're on a test platform, me and some of their other key users, uh, all my crew. So we get to see what's out there two, three months uh, from now. And it's already really cool right now. But when you see what they're calling real 3D uh, <laughs> on mobile, real 3D on mobile, uh, it's, it's really impressive. So uh, sign up for the Insider. You get all this map stuff, no added charge. So the value proposition just keeps getting better and better. Uh, go there. Uh, go to Go Hunt. Go to the Insider. You get all the stuff we've always talked about, draw odds, strategy articles, the whole works. Plus now you get really cool desktop maps plus the mobile app based on whether you're ios or droid and it's all still for the same price and use promo code randy when you do it and they'll give you a 50 dollars gift card to use in the gear shop so with that uh on the other line you're gonna hear a little click here uh and we're gonna get connected with brad uh hopefully our connection is good uh where i've been there's a big storm here so uh, I was testing some of this and there's a little bit of delay at times, so apologize for that, but I don't know what's causing that. Um, maybe that editor can fix it. So here we go, folks. Thanks for being here. Well, folks, I told you that our guest today was going to be probably the hardest working volunteer that I run into at a lot of a lot of conservation shows. Uh, his name is Brad Remfrey. He's the, I don't know, Brad, what are you for the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society? I know you're a, you're the guy running the booth a lot of times when I see you. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a past president. I was a president in 2016. Uh, currently got back on the board. I've been, uh, this is my second term back on the board. Um, and I've been the lucky to be the fundraiser chairman uh for the sheep society <laughs> it's uh way too long so, two, 2000 i think it was 2008 yeah. was the first year i started doing it wow but you know why that is because you're good at it uh, well i that, that that's the general rule see see when you're when you're good at something that's when you end up getting stuck doing it <laughs> yeah it's i i don't know i do the best i can you know i don't i I, I can't say I'm good at it. I'm, I'm more experienced. I know that, you know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're being too modest. 
But anyhow, uh, you and I met a couple of years ago. I think it was at the Wild Sheep event in Reno. Uh, you were running a booth uh, for the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society. And you came to me and said, Randy, someday if you ever have time or interest, I've got an idea for you. And uh, we'll get into that later. But really, I want to talk about wild sheep, desert bighorn sheep in your home state of Arizona. Uh, are you, you're an Arizona native. Are there many air, true Arizona natives? I know. Or did they all migrate from Minnesota and Michigan? Yeah, yeah you name it. They're, now it's California and everywhere else. Um, <laughs> I know four of my my wife and my, my two kids are natives, and I know maybe five or six others. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Uh, so opening up the mic here just giving the the audience a little feel for oh an all-volunteer group like you lead up and, and you and your fellow board members uh tell us what what the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society does and we'll then walk into how that makes a difference for sheep and other wildlife out there on the landscape I'd be happy to do that. Um, so Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society, it's uh, one of the oldest conservation groups in, in, in Arizona, if not the oldest. I think uh, um, 1957 is when we were founded, but there there's organized guys for, for quite some time. Arizona's uh, sheep population, you know, at the turn of the century, uh, a lot of miners came into Arizona and, you know, they, they did kind of market hunting and, between the market hunting and and like most of the West with uh, sheep, that people also introduced you know domestic sheep and goats and between the two of those, you know our sheep populations just dwindled next to nothing and there's a bunch of bunch of you know cowboy you know honorary guys that just love sheep and they wanted to do something you know they noticed with the, the when the valley started expanding you know water tables started dropping and natural springs and creeks and stuff started going away and um they wanted to replenish the the herds that had died off you know in the at the turn of the century and and then provide you know water sources throughout the state um so a bunch of guys got together and they have these meetings and, and man they used to <laughs> They used to have like bake, literally have bake sales to just rustle up enough money to, to 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 do what the best they can, you know. And they started organizing, and things got bigger, and they, then they officially formed. And and uh, man, I, I it, you know, I think I think the the herd numbers back then were were probably less than a thousand. And obviously, Whoa. obviously, when when you have a sheep population that gets down to that, you know, there's obviously something needs to get done and in the grand scheme of things, wouldn't it be great to eventually have enough sheep in Arizona that we can hunt them again. So they did their best and here we are, you know, we've been doing it for a long time and <clears throat> it's kind of cool. Cause you know, you, you, you I don't know. I've kind of judged myself on, you know, since I've been involved with the sheep society, I started in 2006 and, you know, I, I, I used to like study the game proclamations every year and, and I could, I could tell you how many, you know, sheep tags are in whatever unit, you know, from heck 19, 
88 till you know to current um but you know i I remember when i first started you know we had i think there was like uh i want to say it was like 88 tags available when i started in 2008 you know i'm sure like in the 90s when air viper was cranking and and the Kofa was cranking and got there some units and and like 40a units that used to just they used to have like 10 tags and uh, per per unit so they, they've, there's been a lot of fluctuation wow. a lot of up, ups and downs and as being part of organization you, you think man i've been working at this for so long you know in five years i want to have 200 tags i want to have you know and maybe not just 200 tags but i just want to double the population what do we got to do to do that you know you kind of look at it as a, on the business side you know mm-hmm. you want results and yeah well, where are you guys at now? I've heard a number out there that you guys are like at 6,000 sheep back, for, you know, when you compare that to, you know, being down around 1,000 at one time, that's a huge increase. Yeah, um, I, I I think it's the last number I heard was about 6,000, but that, you know, maybe four or five years ago. I, there's, we've had a lot of new herds um, that we've started up, uh, most, most in uh, rocky units and we're, we have units right now that are that are doing fabulous. Um, that that you, you know, new startups down in down in southern Arizona, Tucson, which you're familiar with, uh, the Catalina Mountains. Got a uh, we brought sheep back mm-hmm. into there, and that that's mm-hmm. a new herd. There's a, a transplant that we did in the Mineral Mountains, which is just north of Tucson. Um, that's growing. So you know, it's just it's like one step forward with sheep. I I want to talk about domestic sheep too much, but I had a I had a, a a couple sheep at the house and they got into the into the chicken feed one time and and I called the vet out because they're bloating and 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 this guy it was so funny he was the nicest old vet and he said I'm like man what what do I do and he's like you know what sheep are just they're made to die you got to work on keeping them alive so. <laughs> all this stuff that we do i've always i've always kept that in the back of my head and you know we we do all these great things we we you know all the new transplants that the game of fish has done um and then it's like one step forward and two steps back you, you get pneumonia and in, in in an area and it you know you, you go from a herd of two thousand to you know a thousand like o- almost overnight you know so i mean yeah. So that six thousand, I think it's growing. Um, we've had a lot of new rocky growth, and the Rockies are doing pretty good in some areas. So, I, uh, I, I, I'm, we're safe. Well, we're, the, that number is pretty safe. Six thousand to sixty five hundred, I would say, it's really safe. Cool. Well, I hope that someday we do another podcast, and you say, "Guess what, Randy? I got the real number. <laughs> it's now grown to ten thousand. It's it's or whatever." I. Uh, I just love seeing that kind of progress because you talked about w- one thing, and I'm sure it's just one of many things that you guys do, Brad. You, you talked about how you were doing transplants or relocations. That's one of the things you guys do. I'm sure you do a whole bunch of other things with your volunteer time and the money that you raise. Yeah, um, like I, yeah, the 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 original, you know, the at the the, the original our our uh, motto is. Sina uh, aqua mortis, which means without water we die, and that was when they started the Sheep Society in, in uh, 1957. That was their motto, and man, that's all they wanted to do is build 
build waters, build waters, build waters, put them in areas that needed them, and then follow that up with transplants to make sure that the the sheep would have a a, a good steady source of water. Um, so every year, you know, the sheep society projects are huge. You know, we're, we have an unbelievable volunteer base that, um, that really, you know, takes pride in, in working hard and, and doing these projects. They're, uh, you know, the game of fish, we do, we work in, you know, in conjunction with the game of fish to, to get these, we use the, the, the HPC money that's raised from the, the sale of, the auction sale of the Rocky and our, and our Mexicana desert tag, and then the raffling of the Nelson I tag and all that money goes in a pot, into a pot that's, you know, specifically for only sheep. So when we sell those, they can't be used for any kind of, you know, quail habitat or, or javelina habitat. Um, it goes specifically yeah. for sheep. So we, we sit down every year with the, the department and with the, the HBC guys and, you know, they'll come up and say, Hey, we want to build a water here. And we, you know, we say, well, that's not really sheep habitat. That's more like mule deer habitat, but you know, how about here? And, and we sit down and look at it all. And we, so between our volunteer base and, and then the money's raised from the, the sale of the auction tags and stuff, we, we do a pretty good job of uh, putting sheep uh, waters on, on the landscape. Cool. Well, so what was that motto again? Sine aqua mortis. So it's S-I-N-E, aqua, and then mortis is uh, M-O-R-T-I-S. Huh. I had heard of that for, because I think I saw it on one of your pamphlets at the the uh, booth that you were running that one time. And I wasn't smart enough to ask you what it stood for. Yeah. Maybe I was too embarrassed. <laughs> well, you should be because I'm not multilingual. Yeah, I always thought it was Latin. I don't know if it's Latin so much. No, it's 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 Spanish, and I I don't care what it is. It sounds pretty cool, you know, when it rolls off the tongue, you know. Yeah. Being in Tucson, yeah. you should you should you should be able to roll your R's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I spend a lot of time in Arizona, but I still don't have that. I I still have my thick Minnesota Scandinavian accent, but. Uh, so, uh, without water, we die. Yep. It, it, that so well encapsulates, one, an arid state like Arizona. But two, you touched on it earlier when you said that these old cowboys who really started lamenting the loss of sheep, that they noticed how much surface water was disappearing because of human development. I don't... Yeah. I don't think those of us today have an appreciation for what our collective impact has had on where surface water used to exist in the West. But it's been a big impact, and wildlife is the one who bears the brunt of that. Oh, it, without a doubt. I mean, when I, so growing up in, in Phoenix, I remember I, I lived right on the western part of Phoenix, and I used to play Little League and Pop Warner across the, the, the city limits, right? So I'd go over and practice. And I remember as a kid coming back into Phoenix, and I remember it said population, welcome to Phoenix, you know, population 300, you know. When it hit 300,000, I, I, I thought that was the coolest thing. And, uh, you know, now, gosh, the valley, <laughs> the, the you know, Phoenix metro, it's, there's no lines anymore. It's all, you know, combined together. And, I mean, we're, yeah. we're pushing 6 million people. So when, when you're sucking 
water out of an aquifer that, you know, it is, it, we, I don't know, it's, it's pretty significant amount of water. So when, when the water aquifer goes down, I mean, you, it doesn't matter what part of the country you're in. When aquifers go dry, they go dry. And so the creeks don't run anymore. The, the springs that used to be there, you know, are, are all dried up. And those, those natural sources of water that those, that all wildlife depended on, they're no longer there. What are they going to do? And so they just, they're going to die off or they're going to, they're going to move and go somewhere else. And then when sheep move and if they have disease, they, they take that disease with them to the, you know, to the congested area where the other sheep are. And then instead of losing, you know, Mm -hmm. five sheep out of a herd, you, you, you lose 20. So with, with, when they started spreading out those waters, those drinkers, it, it actually limited the, the disease spread as well. Yeah. <clears throat> so the if I, someday I need to find somebody who has this data of how much surface water we've removed. I did a podcast about a month ago about juniper and how much water juniper drinks every day, if you want to call it that, and how it has negatively in, affected the water, the surface water available to wildlife, but also the soil moisture that used to allow for significant native plant growth near those water sources. You combine both of those, and those are serious losses of habitat that if if you just move to some highly populated area, you're not going to notice it because the damage has already been done. You're going to think, oh, well, that's how it's always been. Well, some native like you who remembers when Phoenix, the Maricopa County, was only 300,000 people. Can, I, I don't want to age you, Brad. What year was that? Uh, that was, uh, let's see, that was 1980, I'd say probably 83, 84. Oh, my gosh. That's when I was going to college there. I went to college there in 84 and 85. Uh-huh. And I remember that... Tempe, Mesa, Chandler, Gilbert, Ahwatukee, Scottsdale, they were almost like their own distinct little somewhat cities. And you used to be able to leave Phoenix, and I know this because I I skipped so much school at ASU (laughs) to go quail hunting in Wickenburg. You used to be able to drive from my apartment, which was down on Mill Street, uh, in Tempe, and I could get to Wickenburg in about an hour. Yeah. Now I have no idea how long that would take you. Uh, and it was mostly desert on the way there. Yeah. You know, once you get past Indian School Road, it was kind of like, there's nothing here. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like football stadiums, racetracks, hotels, malls, subdivisions. Yeah, it, it'd take you less time now because of the, the freeway system that we have. But the problem is, is where you used to quail hunt is all, you know, neighborhoods and, and you name it in Wickenburg. And so you, it's probably works out to about the same amount of driving time because you got to drive an extra half hour past, you know, past where you used to go. <laughs> um, if my, if I say, if my kids heard me say, I, Hey kids, I used to hunt there. You know, when you drive by, you know, a Ford dealership, and and you tell them I used to hunt right there, guys. They're like, we know, Dad, we know. 
That's like my camera crew. We drive across some of these places. Like we drove through Maricopa, the town of Maricopa, uh, on our way down three or four years ago. And I'm like, it's like, I used to shoot lots of doves out here. That used to be a cotton field. And we used to shoot doves like crazy. And my camera crew's like, you know, we've heard this about pretty much every place you drive by, Randy. <laughs> but my my point of all that is, it's almost like this, it feels like a glacial, pl- glacial pace of change. But it's dramatic change when you think about it to wildlife, especially in arid places like sheep and the water work that you guys do. I mean, we were talking about trans you know, transplants, but those water catchments are ridiculously expensive to build. You got to maintain them. And when I talked to you this winter, you guys were so dry that in some of those you guys were helping Arizona Game and Fish actually haul water to those catchments because there had not been any rainfall. Yeah. None of that is cheap. No, it, um, it, it's crazy when you hear about the amount of, the amount of gallons that, that get hauled. Last year was horrible. We, we, we didn't get any monsoons. Um, we got very little winter rain. And the, the Game and Fish, I, I, I think they quit counting at like a half a million gallons just in region four, like region four is like our, you know, the most populated uh, region in Arizona for, for sheep, pure sheep numbers. And, and mm. uh, the Kofas in there and all the, you know, the Mohawks, and all the classic, the Tana, all those, the stuff that you read about in the old books, you know, with, um, and they, I, they hauled so much water last year. They, they, they broke every trailer. Every they they use these thousand gallon trailers because um, some of the roads are so mm-hmm. bad you can't take a big old water truck in there. So you got to pull these these little thousand gallon tanks and and, oh. and and make four or five trips you know at a time and do it. But they they literally broke all their trailers that they had. Wow. And I mean and and I I don't know what the final number was last year, Randy, but uh, I know this year just in Region Four. From January first to like right now, I think I think they've hauled close to three hundred thousand gallons just in Region Four. Wow! So you think about the volunteer hours and the in the in the department hours. I mean, you know, their budgets, their budgets are you know, thank goodness Arizona's you know a lot of people out thanks to COVID and you know there's been a lot of people buying hunting licenses and tags, um, mm-hmm. but. You know, that's all that water hauling and stuff. And, and you virtually you can't do helicopters because it's so expensive. And the, the amount of gallons that you have to do, you have to do anything and everything um, to just haul to it. But as you know, yeah. most sheep, most sheep uh, don't exactly hang out at the bottom of a, you know, a farm field where you can just drive a pickup truck up to it. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of them are in, in wilderness or, or places that, you know, you need a helicopter to pick up the truck with the trailer on it to get the water to them. So. Yeah. Huh. So if, if, if for people who haven't seen how these big catchments work, they have, I'll call it a big apron on the uphill side that when it does rain, if you get some monsoon moisture, it's a big metal, sometimes plastic, uh, 
apron that lays across the landscape and the water hits that and rather than be absorbed in the soil it runs downhill so it's got a little slope to it and it runs into these catchment tanks and then from the catchment tank it can go into these smaller drinking tanks but you guys haven't even had enough moisture everything's dry even the catchment tanks that usually can hold and store some of this water when it comes in abundance, it can store it for later. That's why you guys had to haul water, is there hasn't been any moisture falling to catch any of it. Correct. Yep. We've, um, they started back in the 50s and 60s, they started with uh, concrete aprons, and then they'd mm. coat them with paint or, you know, different stuff. And then, yeah, so same concept. Mm. And then the storage tanks were underneath, they call it the vault. The, the vault was underneath the ground, underneath the, the apron. And there'd be a real small, you know, uh, drinker is what we call them. And, and uh, however full that drinker is, is how, tells you how much water is in the, in the actual uh, storage containers. Uh, they, all the newer ones now... Um, for the most part are, yeah, they use the, the metal aprons, same thing you see it like on a, on a metal roof. And, uh, they're some, they're about 96 feet long and about 20 feet wide. Um, and then, and, and, and they, they calculate like if it's an area that doesn't get hardly any rain, they'll make mm-hmm. those aprons bigger. So they catch water cause it, it only rains like once or twice a year there and it'll catch maximize the catching and, and then the, the storage, what we're doing now, most of the storage that we have is about 10,000 gallons. So, you know, you get a really good, you know, summer monsoon and you can fill up those 10,000 gallons. And they, they, they try and get those 10,000 gallons should represent about 18 months of uh, supply for them. But oh, wow. heck, they, we never get enough, ne- never get enough rain, never get uh, enough of it and frequent enough to, to because they, they're going dry and we're constantly having to fill them up. Wow. That's, I think for those of us who live in other parts of the country, it's just hard for us to understand how critical this water development and this water infrastructure is for the wildlife. And I, you know, we're talking about sheep, but every species that lives out there benefits from that i don't care if it's songbirds if it's rabbits if it's whatever if there's water on the landscape that makes that portion of landscape nearby habitable and therefore it's habitat so um you guys do a ton of stuff you're helping arizona game and fish with surveys with you know, like you said, it, their trailers are breaking and <laughs> you guys are pitching in to pay for trailer repairs and water and uh, everything else. So you, you got a lot of volunteer hours and it sounds like a lot of volunteer money. Yes. Um, so our, our only source of uh, fundraising is our, our, our annual banquet. Um, when they created the, the auction tags, I think it was in like 1984, um, the state statute, you know, said that whatever's collected goes right back to the game of fish. So there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a handful of states um, that when, you know, X conservation groups uh, sells that at their fundraiser, they usually get to keep, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30%. Yeah. Uh, when they created that, 
statute in Arizona. I believe we were the fir- one of the first ones. We were, the, I think, the first one to do that. Um, they made it to where like no monies can be exchanged. So it doesn't matter if like we advertise for it. We, it doesn't matter if we sell it out our fundraiser. Not a nickel of that goes into our checking account. Um, yeah. So our fundraiser we have every year, usually, you know, in around March, and and it's uh, kind of like a bake sale. You know, you do it, do anything and everything <laughs> to get every last dollar you can get out of out of everybody's pocket. You know, and yeah. and so it's, we're doing it on our own. We don't, you know, we don't get any assistance from any of those tag sales. We get to decide or get to help manage the money and where it goes. But we, we um, all the other stuff that we do, like this year, we we ended up buying. Two uh, thousand gallon tanks uh, for Region Four to help them. Uh, we bought one for Region Five because we're starting to do a lot more sheep drinkers in Region Five because that sheep population is growing in, in around the Silver Bells and um, down in the Pelham Fields. Um, you know, if they need it, man, we, we do anything and everything we can to, to help them because sometimes it's not in their budget. Um, we buy water pumps. So if they have to pump it, mm. you know, a mile yeah. up and down the mountains, we, we just, we just bought two water pumps. And, um, so, but you know, the, the cool thing, it's not just that fundraising. I mean, this year, because it's been so dry and we've had to do so much, we, we've gotten into social media and, and post something on our Instagram and ask people to donate. And man, I tell you what, a we, we, you and I serve a, a great group of people, um, the conservation world and, and hunters in general are just magnificent. You know, the, they always tend to to come to the call and we, we, you know, $20 here, $5 here, people give what they can. And it made a difference. We were, we were only going to buy one trailer and we ended up buying three because of it, you know? Wow. So it's, it's huge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. I, I think Arizona, I, I could be wrong in this, Brad, but I think you guys are the only state that requires 100% of the proceeds go back to a dedicated account. I, I think every other state that I'm aware of allows some, I'll call it marketing fee or sales commission to whatever group markets yeah the governor's tag or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think you guys are yeah. the only one and you guys have this, it's called, you use the initials HPC. It's what's that stand for? Habitat something. Project based? committee. There you go. I used to know what that Habitat, a Habitat project. Yeah. And that's yeah, and groups like, like we, yours and other groups get to sit on a committee that makes recommendations of how that money gets spent in a simple way. So Okay. Pretty much. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, the, the WMs, you know, they come, they, they come up with the proposal, you know, it's there in, in their area, so they're like, hey, I'd really like to see a, a sheep water here. I'd like to, you know, and they're, they're out there doing the best they can, identifying areas, and we have great relationships with all, all six regions in the state, and, and, and then with each individual WM, and we're constantly pushing them, hey where's our next sheep water going to be? You know, um, what do you guys need from us? And, and they'll, you know, I think they, they have all the intentions to, to come up with something great, but then you, you get one that, you know, the guy, guy gives us a, <laughs> he'll come to us with a water and it's like, seriously, this, there, there's like 0% chance that, that a sheep would ever come down here and, and you know, 
let's let's keep trying you know yeah when you say wm for folks who are listening that's a wildlife manager in charge of that area correct correct yeah yeah real quick i just want to a lot of people or a lot of states yeah we are the only state that 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 happens and we're with those funds going 100 percent to wildlife but the arizona's game and fish department we're not funded like Dang near every other state, you know, is, um, their wildlife agencies are funded by ta- just everybody's, you know, property insurance or, um, I'm sorry, your uh, property taxes or, or you know, get gas tax or whatever. Or Arizona sales tax or um, something. Yeah, something. Arizona is the only thing that, that, you know, their budget is made up of, it gets zero tax dollars. So it's all hunting and fishing uh, licenses and tag sales. That's it. Yeah. That's where all their money comes from. And then, of course, the Pittman-Roberts um, yeah, right. money from excise you know, taxes on guns. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you guys are blessed in Arizona. You have both species of the desert bighorns, and they're so unique. Are they? I, I see the uniqueness in their their horn formation. Is there other differences in their physiology, like? The I always think of the Nelsonis as kind of flaring out more, and the Mexicana being more of a tighter curl on the horn. I could be wrong in that, but are there uh, is one is that true? And then are there other physiological differences between the subspecies of desert sheep? Well, I I think the the uh, Mexicanas are you know they're usually a little bit bulkier of an animal. Um, but you know, that's not, it's not like the difference between the Nelsoni and and the Mexicana isn't even close to the difference between a desert and a Rocky. It's very, very slight. Um, their, their, their coats are usually different, but like, you want to say it's because of the, where they live and the habitat that they're in. I mean, you are, some of our Mexicanas are, they live in the, on the river, uh, like our our infamous river herd, you know, the Canyon Lake, the Salt River herd, uh, Canyon Lake and Apache mm-hmm. Lake, um, those sheep, there's so much ha- habitat and vegetation and the groceries are awesome. They get tons of rain. Um, so they tend to be a, a lot bigger and then they have much darker coats. Um, mm. but there, I guess genia- genetically, there isn't much difference between the Nelsoni and the in the, in the, in the Mexicana. Um, and quite frankly, you know, the, the Bill Williams river is the arbitrary line that separates them. Oh, and really? That it's not like it. It's not like the, you know, it's not even the, I mean, that thing's a, a Creek where you, where you come from, you guys would call it a Creek or a, a stream. It's not, so those sheep can go right across it, but you know, they, they just said, okay, anything North of that river, is Nelsoni and everything south of it is is uh, Mexicana. Hmm. Well, so it's probably just where they live and the horns. <laughs> yeah, I have twenty two of those desert sheep points in Arizona. Now, following your draw this summer, uh, and yeah. I always apply down in the southern half of the state, just because in Nevada, where I would apply. Those would be Nelsoni. Uh, and not that I want to slice hairs here, but it's just the experience of 
of what it seems it would be like to go hunt some of your stuff down in far southern Arizona, uh, even slightly southwestern Arizona. It just appeals to me. The country is so cool, so interesting, so rugged. <laughs> There's a couple of places where you guys have sheep where I say, you know, I think I'm getting too old to apply for a sheep tag there. <laughs> but so uh, so much of when what people put in for is based on their ability to to conquer the mountains or, or not, you know. And yeah, the the, the Tenajaltas and the Gilas and the Mohawks, those I mean, they're just nasty, straight up and down, just desolate places and and then you got the cabezas where you gotta you know it's all you know it's all uh refuge and you can't you can't there's no road system you gotta you know you gotta, you gotta hike in 12 miles just to get to the darn places so yeah, yeah. but you probably have pretty good odds of drawing some of those remote areas too though you know really Wow. Let's not tell everybody that. Well, no, no. no. So, I mean. No. You want to know the biggest mistake I made when I left Arizona, Brad, is I had been there for two years. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you knew it right away. I did oh. not buy the lifetime <laughs> license because – People who may not know this, if you live in Arizona and you think you're going to move away someday, don't be like Randy, okay? Go down and buy your lifetime license because then when you move away, you get put in the same draw as the residents. Ah, I, I, I can't believe I did that. You're not the only person. My brother did. My brother, we're born and raised here, and my brother lived here until he's like 26, and he and he moved, and he didn't do that, and you know now he can't draw an elk tag here. Heck, he can't even draw. He can't even get a jackrabbit tag hardly anymore. You know, to, to because he didn't do that. So yeah, don't feel bad. Don't be hard well, on yourself. Well, I you would think a tightwad accountant. I wasn't an accountant at that point. I I had <laughs> I destroyed my engineering GPA. I. I tell people that I enrolled at Arizona State, but I never really attended because I was there during, <laughs> during that peak moisture cycle of the 80s where out west of town or even south of town, you had coveys of quail in the, you know, it'd be nothing to bust up a covey of 50, 60, 80 quail. It seemed like yeah. it rained a lot when I was there in 1984 and 1985. And I'm like, well, I'll just you know come back someday or whatever. I I I had no idea how good it was at the time and the abundance that could be generated with above average moisture. And yeah. man, what a mistake on my part! It and here's the real cost. <laughs> it caused me to get put on academic probation, so I ended up having to junk my ideas of being an engineer. So I transfer there. I'm like, you know, really doing well in school in mechanical engineering. After two years at ASU, they wouldn't even let me re-enroll. They're like, Mr. Newberg, it appears as though we're more concerned about your higher education than you are. You're not allowed to enroll this semester. I'm like, oh, man, I guess I'll just have to hunt quail and doves more. <laughs> I could, at the time, Brad, I think I could have wrote a book, 100 Ways to Cook Quail or 100 Ways to oh, Cook yeah. Dove. But 
usually I was just doing it the cheapest way. Whatever didn't cost much money and left me more money for gas and shotgun shells. And, uh, but I, I, I just had no idea how good the desert could be. I, I, because I moved there in a high moisture cycle, I just thought, well, it's always like this. Well, then obviously, you know, moisture patterns change. And now I go back there and the quail hunting is, is not what it used to be. And that a lot of that's moisture, but so 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But the deer back then, the, with the deer numbers were freaking oh, awesome there, too. There were deer everywhere. I, I did not know the desert could grow that many deer. You know, you'd come around a corner yeah. out there in the desert, sneaking up on some quail. And I would bust some really nice mule deer bucks out of places just out in the, you know, like desert, desert, not what you would think of as mule deer habitat. And it happened a lot. And I guess that's, again, a testimony to what moisture can do in the desert. Um, But So is disease much of an issue in Arizona like it is? In Montana, our biggest issue for our wild sheep, and we have all Rockies, uh, disease is, is probably our biggest concern and it's it's usually what it it restricts where we can relocate sheep through transplants and it's usually what causes our herd numbers to dwindle and maybe never come back do you guys have much of a disease issue there yeah you know that it the the nelson the nelson i uh sheep most recently have been affected the most um there's areas that you know throughout the state where the, the sheep will be doing really well. And then, then the, they do, we do our surveys every three years and, you know, you think, man, we got, we got four tags in that unit. Everything's going great. And then they do the survey, you know, the, you know, three years later and they're like, uh Oh, you know, we saw half the amount of sheep that we, that we saw. And then, and then lo and behold, you know, the hunters will go in there and, and, you know, they have a tough time finding, you know, that happens every, you know, it, it's just like a, it's almost like a cycle. But uh, mm-hmm. it was about five years ago, we lost, I would say, close to 50% of the the sheep in the sheep herd in, in like in the 15s and the 15A, um, I'm sorry, yeah, 15A, 15B, uh, 15D and 15C. And right. those, those units were like huge. They were, they were coming back, Randy, there was like, I think 15C had like 10 tags in it. Um, and then oh. just boom, Southern Nevada had an outbreak and they, they had, uh, um, uh, pneumonia. Um, and, and then it just somehow got across the dang river and, um, and it was like, it was instantly like next thing, you know, there's tipped upside down sheep all across the landscape. So it's wow. slowed down. I think it's, it's coming back or I'm sorry, the, the you know, there's, there's not a lot. And it's funny because, as you know, they, but some of those sheep can have it and live with it. And mm-hmm. but then there's the ones that can't. And so yeah. they'll either keep breeding and, and they'll either make it or they won't. And it's just it's disheartening because you, you think you're doing a good job. You think you're, you're doing what we're supposed to do, bring the sheep numbers back. And then they just pull the carpet out from underneath you, you know? Yeah. So... Oh. When we, oh, I'm trying to remember a couple of years ago when we were talking, we'd been planning some ideas and then 
last spring when you guys were trying to have your big fundraiser for the year, were you guys able to pull that off with COVID or did that get canceled? We had it by the skin of our teeth. We had it. And then about nine hours later, I wake up the next morning and our our governor Ducey had just uh, put a, put a lockdown on everybody. You couldn't have gatherings over 50. So we've literally had our 2020 banquet by the skin of our teeth. Wow. And um, then this year. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask that. Have you been able to have one this year in 2021? Yeah, we had it. Uh, May 1st, we had to keep postponing it, keep postponing it. And and we finally say, Hey, we're not going to be able to have it this year. Um, They they just weren't lifting the numbers and, you know, everybody's going to have to wear a mask. And then, we we decided to cancel it and and uh, we were going to have our online auction just to sell our Rocky tag and a couple other items just to try and make a little bit of money and and uh, called the called the place where we had it and said hey we're not going to have it put our deposit for next year and I said but we're going to need a small small room just to have an auctioneer and let's do it on May first and 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 he called me like uh, uh, it was about five days later and said. Hey, Governor Ducey lifted the, the the moratorium on on gatherings. You guys can have your banquet, and I'm like, well, okay, what? Like a hundred people, two hundred people? He's like, no, you can have as many as you want. And I was like, oh. and I was like, uh, <laughs> that's only that's only six weeks away. How in the heck am I going to put a fundraiser together in six weeks? <laughs> but we were the last one in Arizona of all the conservation groups to have one, and then it turned out we were the first ones to have, have it after they opened it up. So, okay. um, you know, like I mentioned earlier with, um, we have an amazing, uh, bunch of conservation, uh, minded people and love to help, help, help us raise money. Man, we sold our banquet out in seven days and, and it was, it was so bittersweet to, to, to see people, you know, come back and, 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 and just, I mean, it was crazy. Arguably one of our best fundraisers we've ever had as far as money that we earned or generated. Yeah. Well, in the interim of all that flux of whether or not you guys were going to get a chance to have a banquet, you and I started brainstorming of ideas. You said, Randy, I got an idea. And I'm like, all right, I'm all ears. And so, you know, some of my audience has received their email or seen the video. uh, And you really came up with this idea. And I'm like, I'm all in. Whatever it takes to raise money for Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society for water on the landscape. Uh, And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't tell people how they can help your 100% volunteer organization that puts 100% of the money back in the ground, how they could help you guys raise more money through that idea that you pitched me to. So I'm I'm, I'm going to open that up to you to explain what it is, and then I'm going to tell them why they should do it. Uh-huh. Well, we... We, we came up with the hunt with hunt hunt go sheep hunt with Randy Newberg and um, you know I the when I came to you I'm like you know what would you be interested in going on a on a doll sheep hunt up in the McKenzie's and hunt with uh, Harold and I'd been been up there one of my best friends I went up with him and and helped him on his hunt and that place 
just so magical and 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 I just thought what a great you know what a great raffle you know what a great raffle for somebody to do and if we can work something out with you you know have them go with Randy Newberry and be able to share camp with with you that that would just you know is you have such a great following and and um I it was like it was kind of like a match made in heaven you know some lucky guy is going to be able to not only go sheep hunting but to be able to you know we're a 501c3 so every you know when they when they when they become a member um become a life member become a uh, the, the new Santa Aquamortis member, you know, that we're a 501c3. So technically, you know, you can join our group as a, mm-hmm. as a charitable, uh, donation. And then in return, uh, go on just an amazing adventure of a lifetime. Um, so, you know, you, we, you can join and, 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 uh, get a, a chance at winning. We have a couple different, you know, uh, you know, uh, you have a, a fifty dollar entry. You can do a, a if you do a multi year entry, uh, like I said, the life member. And then this year, because of this, with you, we created a new Cine uh, Aqua Mortes uh, membership, which is it, it's basically a life membership on steroids. It costs an extra <laughs> five hundred dollars. It costs an extra five hundred dollars to become a that Cine Aqua Mortes uh, member, but you get you know, 40 extra chances to, to win. And, uh, the cool thing about that, we're going to, we, we developed, or I'm sorry, we set up an account, uh, that's, uh, that any Santa Aqua Mortes, uh, memberships, that fund, all that money is going to go into, to that fund. And it is only going to be spent on like emergency water hauling water, you know, uh, you know, the helicopter or if we have to buy more trailers or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I, when I came to you, I was, I was in, I was, I mean, I was, I was worried that we, I knew we weren't going to have a fundraiser and I was like, what can we do to raise money? Cause after the year we just had, you know, yeah. you, you start spending the amount of money that we've spent and we gotta, we gotta put that back in and we're not going to have a fundraiser. We really, we really got to do something here. And, I just, it was a great opportunity to raise money, bring awareness. I mean, the biggest thing with you is like with the, with the outreach that you have and let people know about Arizona and in the dry conditions, you know, a lot of guys that live in Ohio or Pennsylvania where they're dealing with flooding, they don't realize that our, our water catchments, you know, are completely dry. So, yeah. you know, you, you have that voice that you can reach people and, and they can kind of, if they've never hunted out West, they can, you know, you can bring it to them and let them see it. And, and, um, you know, we, our organization does some amazing work, you know, with, with, uh, with the game fish, um, trying to, all we're trying to do, you know, when I joined, when I joined this uh, organization, I just, I, you kind of look at it. It's like, okay, how are my kids ever going to get drawn for sheep? If they, mm-hmm. you know, if there aren't any sheep around, you know, by the time they get old enough, you know, they're never going to be able to, you know, hunt sheep. And I, you know, we're doing, we're doing the best we can to keep on increasing uh, the numbers and it's slowly, but surely it's happening. And yeah, so we, uh, we just, just jumped at the opportunity to, to partner with you and, you know, get people to understand who we are and, and what we do. Yeah. Well, at the time I was, 
I, I mean, I know how hard you work. I know how hard your committee works. And I could tell the the disappointment that you guys, uh, especially when you and I talk on the phone, you're like, man, I, I, we're not going to be able to have our, we, you have one fundraiser a year. We're not going to be able to have it. And I'm like, all right. Uh, these are the kind of things my platforms are built to help out with. How do we do this? So I'm very thankful that you came up with the idea. So anyone can go to your website, the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society, and right there is, you know, join and be possibly win this sheep hunt. So it's a sheep hunt in 2023, correct? Correct. And it's with Ghana River Outfitters in a place that is high on my list of uh, a lot of folks saw me go to the Wrangles three, two years ago or three years ago, two years ago, I went to the Cassiars. I have these landscape places that just fascinate me because of what I've read or heard and I got to go there. And when you told me Mackenzie's, I'm like, let me get out my checkbook here. I, I, I am, <laughs> you, you tell me what it's going to cost. I'm, uh, I'll buy mine. You guys, you, you know, do yours with, with Harold and let's raise some money. So we're, how, yeah. how long are you guys running this through? We're stopping sales. Oh, uh, goodness gracious. You Sometime in September. I think, my heart. Yeah, so uh, we're 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 stopping the sales on September 30th. Okay. And we're going to draw at our the very next board meeting that we have which is going to be on October 13th. Okay. Uh, we're going to we're going to draw so Okay. So, it's that hunt, you're throwing in some cash for the winner for incidentals and other stuff. Isn't there a gear package also that is, is the gear package a separate draw or does the winner get the gear package also? Yeah, the, the, uh, thanks to some amazing sponsors that you uh, arranged for us to have. Yeah, they're going to get uh, a full ensemble of, of Sitka gear. Um, we've uh, we've haven't worked out the, all the details. I'm I'm hoping to post that here in the next couple of weeks, Randy. Um, but Sitka is going to give us something. Um, Howell Rifles is going to hook us up with a, a mountain a mountain. Um, uh, rifle and i think he's gonna put a loophole scope on there um yeah. and then we've got um Kenetrek boots is gonna uh equip them with a, some mountain extreme uh boots with uh i think like uh, a couple pairs of socks and liners and um yeah good stuff so yeah so the winner the winner when they when they win the uh the, the sheep hunt man they're gonna be Tip to tip, gonna to be all set up, ready to go. All they have to do is bring their toothbrush. Maybe, maybe a couple <laughs> things extra. But. Uh, well, if you're listening, folks, I'm asking you the personal favor: go out there and sign up. I, you know, for me, I, I guess maybe uh, if. I just want you guys to raise as much money as possible. I don't, I don't want anything for this. I, I, you know, we, we pick conservation groups at what can we do to support you, and that's that's what we want to do. And if you've seen 
the landscape of Arizona the last however long it's you know I'd say you guys are in like a two or three year really dry cycle it is absolutely imperative that groups like the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society get this money that they raise as much money as they can and if you apply for sheep in Arizona hopefully you'll see it within yourself to become a member and help support what they do because this this isn't some organization where it goes to overhead or it goes to all kinds of other stuff this is an all volunteer group where your money is going into the ground or into water or into transplants or allotment buyouts or the whole list of stuff that brad and the crew do so i'm usually not big on asking and pleading but in this case for the cause of wild sheep and for all the hard work that brad and his crew do i'm asking you please go to their website and please sign up and maybe you'll be the one who and if you don't want me to be there that's fine marcus will film you though if you want because the arrangement (laughs) i've told brad is that i'll bring marcus with and we'll even film this person if they want to be filmed that's so cool I did promise that, didn't yeah, I? Th- yeah, I, I don't have it writing, but uh, yeah, you mentioned that. <laughs> I was kind of keeping that on the down low because I didn't want, I didn't want too much competition. But no, nah, just kidding. I'm, <laughs> I, I am. Uh, yeah, well, uh, and uh, if someone doesn't want it film, that's fine too. I, I, you know, I I don't want anyone to feel like they got to be filmed, but we're just trying to do everything we can think of. And and if folks can roll back your mindset to February and March, when we didn't know what the future held, we we didn't know if you guys were going to be able to have a fundraiser. We're just scrambling. And when you came up with this idea and Harold said, look, I can do it in 2023. I'm like, you know what? Count me in. You know, tell me what my share of the of uh, Harold's cost is, and I, I'm I'm in. You know, so I I hope you raise some money with it. It'd be really disappointing to me if you said, Randy, we only raised twenty dollars. We could have done better with a bake sale. Uh, Ooh, no, that it, would not be good. It's a, it's our we've been selling them. You know, uh, there's like maybe. May fifteenth or May twentieth is when when you when you made the big announcement that we were doing it, and you know we've uh, we we've certainly done better than we've ever done on any other raffle. But you know we have some hard costs, obviously, with the uh, with buying the hunt and stuff. And so uh, it, it, we're just we gotta we gotta um, I don't know if this weather keeps going, and we don't know if it's gonna you know we, if we're gonna get an El Nino or El or La Nina or Nino or whatever you know we you don't never know what's going to happen we got to be prepared yeah. for for the worst and uh, so yep. doing something like this is a, a game game changer a potential game changer and we will, again you know hopefully it does rain and then we can just start worrying about all the other stuff that we do you know yeah transplants relocations uh, whatever uh, i'm sure yeah. you you've never looked around and said boy you know we just got too much money here <laughs> no I'll never get a chance. That's no. why they keep making me de- be the fundraiser chairman. You know, <laughs> we got we, we got we got plans. We got and if if they uh, if 
somebody somebody's afraid to disrupt it or whatever and they and they because uh, we you know we have goals we we set goals and what we want to do and what where we want sheep and and it all it's easy to plan and say if you don't have any money to do it uh, you can't can't really do that you know yeah well that's an opportunity of how people can help you guys do your great work uh i hope everybody listening if you're thinking about it you know there's what do you say there's a 50 dollar option on up to something else but uh there's yeah, a way you to can, help you can join yeah sorry i mean but uh the, yeah you can just join the or our organization you get two two uh entries if you become a member you can uh there's a like a three-year membership, a five-year membership. There's a, a life membership, and then the Santa Alco Mortis. And and if, and if you don't want to join as a member, you, you can buy additional chances, uh, and they're just fifty-dollar entries. So if you want to, oh, okay, be a member, and then and then then just you know you want twenty extra entries, you can do that too. Yeah. Well, I hope people do. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I, I always wanted to go see the McKenzie's. Uh, <laughs> I just, I can't believe that I'm going to get the chance to do that. I, I, here's the other good news. Premier Trudeau, I guess, is opening up the border sometime here in the next week or so. So maybe Harold gets some hunts in 2021. Now that his border's been opening, get some hunts up there. Uh, but yeah. I, I just, it's stuff like this, Brad, that I admire the work you do and, and the the other volunteers on your committee so much that the blessing of the platforms that we have and the fact that we carve out some of our budget every year of our, of our gross revenue that we say, here's what we got to do to help either, like in this case, me buying my hunt, you guys buying your hunt, if we can leverage that to a much bigger dollar amount, that's that's great. You know, I I want to see that. I, it's just important to the to our platforms. It's important. That's part of what our audience expects of us. And most of our audience, in some way, shape, or form, is a volunteer in their town in their committees. It might be they volunteer as a hunter ed instructor, or they volunteer for 4-H, or they're you know in one of the mentoring programs, or they're on a fundraiser committee just like you are. So they know what you're doing, and uh, I just I want to use our platforms and and do what we can do to help you guys raise money because you're you're doing just unbelievable work and there's it's at that time in these moisture patterns where the work you're doing is it's irreplaceable i mean if you guys aren't there if there's not someone there helping arizona game and fish if there's not additional funding additional volunteer labor sheep are going to suffer and you guys have worked so hard to build those sheep numbers up we're all of us listening, all of us got to put our shoulder to the wheel and do what we can to help you guys. So that's, that's my, Randy, I can't, I I really can't thank you uh, and and your voice to, for, you know, for doing this for us um, uh, above and beyond. And we, we appreciate every, every, uh, 
every word spoken um, and what you've done for us because I mean we we could not we can't we can't do it without you you know right. um, and that the right. conservation organizations need more people like you that have a voice to 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 be able to do all the groundwork on the ground you know yeah. I'm I'm blessed to have the, the the opportunity to help. So, you know, grandma would put a boot in my butt if she thought that I wasn't <laughs> using our platforms to do that. So, but uh, yeah. you know, I'm wondering are are we going to you suppose we're going to have a actual sheep show this coming year in Reno like we usually do? I know last year they had a virtual sheep show. Have you heard whether or not they're going to have one this year? Yeah, it's in the books. Um, okay. They they're 100 percent planning on it. I don't, All right. It would take a a Delta virus to stop it. <laughs> well, I plan on right. being there. I'm I'm sure you'll be there if if they have one. I plan to be of there course. if they have one. Um, and uh, I sure hope that uh, you guys get some moisture. Have you, what have you guys had any moisture yet this monsoon season? Actually, um, certain parts of the state have. I went and uh, did a uh, a checkup on a on a drinker in, in the Mescal Mountains, which is near Globe. Um, that we just had a horrible fire go through there, and I had to go check on the drinker to see if if it was damaged. We just built it like in 2016, oh, and we had to check it to see if it got you know the, the new from the fire. It was a pretty bad fire, and and I hiked up to it, and that son of a gun was full. It was at it was oh. almost full, almost full of the brim. So it's <laughs> but it's just spotty, you know. You, you, yeah. And that in that area, but it's like great. We got water, but the, there's nothing there for anything anything to be in there yeah. to even use it because you know. But yeah, so there's we've had some some areas of the state have gotten pretty good rains during this monsoon. There, um, hmm. but not all of them and we're still hauling yeah. water i mean Oof. that's expensive i mean I, I just i hope that you guys can pull out of this cycle and i you know i've been down i was down there in january i just could not believe how dry it was i like i said i've been hunting arizona since the 80s and i don't know that i've ever seen it as dry as what i saw this year and i <laughs> i don't know if i if i have a very good rain dance but if i have a rain dance i will do it for you guys because uh you guys, <laughs> what what was your motto again without water we die what i i, I need to write that down yeah sine aqua mortis there we go sine aqua mortis can i can i make that the title of this podcast you can okay <laughs> uh, well brad i i can't tell you how much i appreciate volunteers like you uh you know we try to get volunteers on this podcast as often as we can we've had two percent for conservation you've had one of what we have a very good mutual friend who's a big wild sheep advocate in colorado our our buddy terry myers uh we had him and joe yeah. uh on on this podcast we've had the founders of the elk foundation we we want people to understand that volunteerism and citizen conservation work is a critical part 
of conservation, of the ability to build a bigger pie, to put more sheep on the mountain, to put more elk in the hills, more ducks in the air, whatever it is you love. It, we all have our time, our talent, or our treasure. In other words, our money. Mm-hmm. Very few of us have all three. I, I don't have all three. Uh, most would say, I don't have any time, I don't have any talent. And my wife would say, you don't have any treasures. <laughs> but we usually have something to give, uh, our time or our talent or our money. And we try to do it by example. We try to do it by letting people know where these opportunities exist. Let them know about groups like you uh, and your friends and your your fellow volunteers at the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society. And uh, I really hope that uh, you guys can continue to do the great work that you do, Brad, but it requires some money. And please, folks, give generously and give often. I'm have you realized that I'm I'm completely uh un, unapologetic about trying to raise money for conservation groups? Yes, sir. I I I don't I don't even blink. That's why the like Saturday I was the MC at an RMEF event. And I told people when they came in the door, my goal is to make sure you don't leave here with any money. You're supposed to leave it all right here. People look at me like, are you for real, man? Yep, I'm for real. That's my goal tonight. (laughs) And on this podcast, my goal is to get people to understand that their donation is, you know, whatever dollar it might be, can be leveraged to such a huge benefit for your group, for other groups. So, but any parting words you got for the audience, Brad? You got got any secrets about how to how to draw a sheep tag? Anything like that? I you know I, I think you have to have less bonus points than me than I do, or more bonus points than I do because I sure that <laughs> don't have any. Yeah, some, oh, there's a well, maybe some your re- last day we. Oh yeah, yeah. We, we have a, another <laughs> mutual friend named Mister Mister Chris, whose last name shall be uh, withheld. Uh, wait, wait, what's his gig? He draws, and then the next year his wife draws. Yeah. Should we rat him out? And, uh, no, no, we'll I'm just not. call him Chris, huh? Yeah. Uh, it. I. It, there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason to these these state. I just. Yeah, there's some rascal, uh, some non-resident guy drew a premium, the premium of all premium uh, hunts in Arizona with six bonus points. No way. And here I am, you know, I'm doing the sheep dance. I'm doing the whatever, you know, the, the draw dance. I've done everything and I've, I, I can't. I just can't. I just don't understand it, how it works. So don't ask me for advice on the sheep <laughs> draw because I certainly don't have any good <laughs> So you're saying in spite of all your volunteer work, you've yet to draw a sheep tag in Arizona. I've yet to draw. I've yet to draw an antelope tag in Arizona. I have, I have 20. No, no way. I have 30, 30 bonus points for antelope and 28 for sheep. Pretty crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I drew I drew Arizona archery antelope in 2011 with 16 points, and it was the f- most fun I've ever had in two weeks. And I did not even release an arrow. 
I, uh, man, it's, it was so fun. I got so close to so many big antelope, but you got 30 points. Mm -hmm. Next year. Yeah. I've tried next year, Brad. We'll see. We'll see. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to hold my breath. I, I keep saying that. I say, okay, yeah, this, 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 I've got to draw this year. You can't, I can't not draw it. Not with that many points. And then well, then what happens is then you, oh, well, look, I, I'm going to definitely go uh, antelope hunting this year. So I'm not going to put in for elk or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put in for uh, some crazy elk hunt. And, and then, then you don't get an antelope tag and you're like, son of a gun. I could have gone elk hunting in Utah or, or Nevada or something, you know? And, yeah. Uh, huh. Well, when you, when you ride that point you, pool, you know, what's going to happen. You're going to draw sheep and antelope in the same year, probably. Yeah. That would be amazing. You, you'll take that problem. You'll take that headache. Oh man. I would, I would, uh, I, I would be happy with either one of those. If I got two, I, I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself Yeah. for a wife. Oh, yeah i know but well brad i could sit here and talk stories with you all night long i know i i asked you to chime in after your your dinner hour uh i really want to thank you for all you do i uh, you're you're such an inspiration to me uh, seeing how hard you work when you're at these events, watching you when you're at the Wild Sheep Show in Reno, you are just, you are for the cause of wild sheep and wild places and wild things. And I I know you'd never toot your own horn and you'd say, well, I got a whole bunch of committee members who work just as hard and I know you do and they'd never toot their own horn, but I'm here to to let the world know that they're in every place where conservation is happening by volunteers, there's a Brad Remfrey. There's a Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society. There's a insert name here. And that's what make, makes conservation work in this country. So thank you so much for doing what you do. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And with that, folks, remember, go to their website. What is your website? Do you have a Facebook page or Instagram page or anything also? <laughs> We do. Yeah, we do have uh, a both. Um, our website is adbss.org. A-Z. And, uh, you'll have to ask my... No, uh, A is an apple, D is a dog. Okay. B is in boy, Sam, Sam.org. Gotcha. Okay. And Facebook page? It's on our website. You'll have to ask my kids. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, they're your technology officers yeah like at my house i i have a technology officer it's my son yeah how do you think i got on this call with you it's uh wasn't me it wasn't me (laughs) (laughs) can i tell the audience the story of how you got on the call (laughs) yeah sure i was frantic but Yeah, the only reason that I'm laughing is because I've been in the same situation before. Brad texts me, he's like, hey, I might be late. I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, My daughter has a friend who he's going to be over here shortly and have this hooked up. And uh, that that would be my world exactly. I'm lucky I have my son on speed dial. I'm like, hey, Matthew, what, what did I do here? And after he 
lets out this deep sigh of exasperation uh and i'm sure he rolls his eyes i can't see it but it's like my old man what a luddite mm-hmm. okay dad here's what you do so don't don't feel bad i'm i'm in the same boat man so <laughs> uh but yeah well we'll just send them to your website yeah and if they find the link to your facebook and instagram page out there uh it's or just google i've googled your arizona desert bighorn sheep society many times in fact it's saved in my google searches now and poof there you go and it takes me to a page where the fundraising contest is right there so perfect all right I'm going to let them go, Brad. I really appreciate all your work. Keep it up. Thank you, sir.